This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. We all got an uneasy feeling and none of us could, like, explain it. We didn't have a reason for it at first. You're 15, like, you don't want to be caught out in front of your peers. Like, that's embarrassing on top of creepy. I remember that in particular being just so uncomfortable. It still makes my skin crawl just thinking about it. You could look in his eyes. And there was something wrong. Every time you looked at him, like, you just felt your insides just kind of, like, shake. I'm relaxing for the evening, and my phone starts going off, and it's my group message with me and my two best friends. And it was a picture of his mugshot, and we were like, oh, my gosh. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm here with Alexis Linkletter. It's Wednesday. Happy hump day, everybody out there. Hi, everyone. You're halfway through the week. You can do this. We can do this. We're all doing it. <laughs> it's like where are those, um, you know, those posters on the wall with like the cat. It's like hang in there. Or like, yes, you can. Yeah. Or like the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Like oh, an inspo poster. Yeah. I've never heard that one before, but I'm into that one. I think it's an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. So oh, yeah, I'm here for the wisdom. I don't know. Sometimes those quotes are misquoted. Like all those quotes that we thought were Marilyn Monroe were not Marilyn Monroe at all. There were some other lady. I think we talked about it on a killing time. Oh, man. Well, hopefully that's all in our Roosevelt and it's not like someone very bad. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, don't quote us on that one. Do you want to get into the day today? Yeah. What day is it? So today is Wednesday, June 7th, and it is Global Running Day, which I will not be participating in. Absolutely not. Also, June bug day. We get a shit ton of these fucking June bugs by my apartment and they don't, they can't see. So they just fly into things. Are they the green shiny ones? Yeah. Yeah. I get those. They always hover by my window. I'm like, what do you want? Because they don't like, what are you doing, doing three floors up? Go, <laughs> down, go back down there. <laughs> they're blind. They just yeah. bump into things. Um, it's also National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. That is a day that I can get into. Yeah, mm, me too. Mm, mm. And National VCR Day. Nobody has those anymore. Mm, nope. No. A relic of the past. Yes. Obsolete. All right. Well, that's not for that. I mean, the days are the days are slim. So we'll get into the episode now. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you.
Most of us can think back to being a kid and the things that your parents would warn you about. You know, places you shouldn't go, people you shouldn't speak to, and things you shouldn't do. Of course, each of us can relate to the moments we started pushing the boundaries on those rules, being somewhere you shouldn't, at a time you shouldn't, and being somewhere without your parents when you shouldn't be. And although we push these boundaries as we grow up, the older we get, the more we can understand why our parents wanted us to be safe in the first place, what dangers were lurking, because there are dangers everywhere. But one place every parent and student used to feel safe and feel the safest was at school. But that's certainly changed in this day and age. We begin today's case on October 20th of 2022, so just over six months ago from today. With the U.S. midterms on the horizon, President Biden had just announced the release of another 15 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in a bid to stop the astronomical rise of gas prices around the country. Meanwhile, Florida health officials confirmed multiple cases of flesh-eating bacteria following Hurricane Ian a month earlier. Just, you know, another casual. 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 Uh, the world's ending. But in lighter news in pop music, Steve Lacey held steady at number one with his single Bad Habit, while Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras was in the number two spot. At the box office, moviegoers wanted to see action like Black Adam, as well as cinema legends Julia Roberts and George Clooney that were teaming up in the rom-com Ticket to Paradise. And the setting for today's case starts in Andrews, South Carolina. Situated in the southeast of the state, across Georgetown and Williamsburg counties, the town of around 2,500 people is about 60 miles northeast of Charleston. And Andrews became a single incorporated community in 1909, and by the 1920s was the fastest growing town in the United States for its age, though this slowed dramatically during the Great Depression, which decimated the local economy and the lumber industry. And while you wouldn't think that somewhere so sleepy would be home to a celebrity, Andrews is actually the birthplace of comedian and actor Chris Rock. Oh, a little wrinkle in the brain. A little wrinkle in the brain. So our first degree for today's case is named Nicole, and Nicole didn't grow up in Andrews, but several states away in Maryland. I'm in Mount Savage, Maryland, which is like a super, super small town. So there's small towns, and then there's small towns. And obviously, schools in these sparsely populated areas just naturally have a small, tiny number of students. But the school Nicole attended was so small that she only had 12 kids in her entire class, which we're talking small, small. I mean, 12 kids in your grade is tiny. Right. So everyone at the school was very close, as you can imagine, including the students also being close with their teachers. It was a very small private school in the area. It was very tiny, K through 12, all in one building. Elementary was downstairs, and then 6 through 12 was all in the upstairs. And everyone was really close. You were close with the teachers. My class was 12 kids that graduated, one boy, 11 girls. But it was just a very close-knit, small, private Christian school. And it was in LaVale, Maryland, so also a very small little area. We're just a tight community. I had a great experience. When it came to the staffing at Nicole's school, the turnover rate for teachers was pretty low. But when Nicole was heading into the ninth grade, she heard that there was a new math teacher that was starting. The teachers really didn't rotate around that much. So you kind of knew what teachers you were going to get in the next couple years. Like there just wasn't a high turnover rate for teachers. So when we were going into the ninth grade, we, me and my best friends, we found out we were getting a new teacher and it was kind of exciting, just something new. But we all, from like the very beginning that we stepped foot in that class, knew like something was off. We all got an uneasy feeling and none of us could like explain it. We didn't have a reason for it at first. 
So who was this teacher, and why couldn't Nicole and her friends put their finger on what it was exactly that was off about him? He'd only just started, yet already something seemed off-kilter. His name was Mr. Brackett, but Nicole didn't know anything about his background or much about him beyond him being a family man whose daughter was new to the school as well. I was probably 15, so he had at least like a 13-year-old daughter. She was actually in my husband's class because he went to the same school and was two years younger than me. So, you know, everybody remembers being in grade school. There's some teachers that you loved, and then there's some teachers that you didn't love. So, I don't know, maybe this new Mr. Brackett was just kind of socially awkward, like some math teachers are, you know. Or I think science all... teachers, accounting teachers, yeah. subjects that introverted people are drawn to. Exactly. Like, you're not reading aloud in English class. Like, it's, you know. Exactly. It's, it's a just, just a different vibe. Totally. So, Nicole does remember her first impression of Mr. Brackett. We walked in and he was a very tall, large man, bald, and just like overly excited. Um, just, I felt a little bit like he was trying to like put on the persona of like being the cool, new, fun teacher and just always smiling and like chatting, which is great. Like we loved our other teachers. They were fun, but it was just seemed so showy. And we were all just a little bit taken back by how showy it kind of seemed. He was, I'd say, probably in his 30s. Nicole's school was a private institution associated with the church. And such is the case at many schools, there were dress code policies in place. All of the students had to wear polos with the girls wearing knee-length denim skirts and the boys wearing dress pants. So this sounds more so even like a uniform. And you know how dress codes at institutions are. Sometimes they're strictly enforced. Sometimes... These codes are more like guidelines. It's a spectrum, really, based on what kind of mood the teacher is in and how egregious the hypothetical dress code violation might be. But thankfully, to this point in Nicole's experience, none of her teachers had ever seemed very hung up on any of it. We all had such a great relationship with all of our other teachers. Like, they were just so kind and they truly, truly cared about us excelling. And they were just really nice, decent human beings. And the dress code, I mean, was never really a big problem like that. Like, I honestly can't remember any of my other teachers calling them out in class. Another occasion, I think, where a girl, like, her skirt was too short, but, like, the teacher just talked to her after class, and, like, she pulled her aside and didn't make this big deal about it in class. But Mr. Brackett handled things a little bit differently, and he was taking a different approach. He made a point of fixating on even the most minor dress code violations, especially when it came to the girls. As the year went on, like things just got creepier and creepier. He was really the only teacher that put that much emphasis on it, but it was so weird. Like we were only allowed to have like one button undone, I think it was, of like our polo. And Mr. Brackett's weirdness didn't subside as time went on. In fact, it seemed to get even more palpable. Not only did Mr. Brackett call kids out in class, in front of everyone, in front of their peers, but he took it up a notch by actually using it as an excuse to touch the students both unnecessarily and rather inappropriately. If we would have, like, more than one button, he would go to those girls and, like, take his finger and, like, put it on the buttons and, like, drag his finger down and be like, oh, this is too many buttons undone. Like, meanwhile, like, dragging his finger down their chest to, like, where the buttons are undone. If their skirts were too short, because they had to be, like, two, three inches above the knee, something like that max, he would, like, put his hand there and be like, oh, yep, too short. And it was just super, super uncomfortable it wasn't something we were kind of used to in general. And none of us were really big boundary pushers. So it wasn't even like they were doing it in like this rebellious 
manner, but he just continuously did this with the buttons and the skirt length. None of the other male teachers would ever comment on dress code. (laughs) They kind of just let it go because it does come across super weird. Nicole can recall witnessing one incident in particular. There was one girl in particular, and she's one of my good friends now. She was, I guess you would say, like the popular girl of my class, but not the mean popular girl. Like she was so kind and just beautiful girl. She was just gorgeous. And she sat to the right of me in that class. She got a good deal of his attention, especially with the dress code. I mean, she, I feel like, was dress coded all the time in his class, and particularly the image of him, like, taking his finger to her chest and, like, running it down the buttons and, like, putting his hand on her thigh. I remember just how uncomfortable that was for me. Like, I can't imagine for her. You're 15. Like, you don't want to be called out in front of your peers. Like, that's embarrassing on top of creepy. I remember that in particular being just, oh, so uncomfortable. It still makes my skin crawl just thinking about it. And it wasn't just the dress code that Mr. Brackett was laser focused on. It seemed like he took any opportunity that he could to touch the female students. Distinct memories of he would always, wasn't just me, it was everyone, but when he would like hand back a test or pass out a paper, he would stand behind you and just kind of like pat and rub your back combo, not for a long period of time, but enough that it was, again, none of the other teachers are patting or rubbing us on the back when they're handing out things. So that was definitely, definitely weird. I never got anything with the dress code. He was so touchy with everything he did, like handing him a pen, handing a pencil. It seemed to be some sort of physical contact, even if it was super small. It was definitely just like all of his mannerisms, like even without the touching aside, the way he worded things, the way he looked at you, the way he just even sat at his desk was, it was just something was off. And it didn't help that like the rest of our teachers were really phenomenal. Even our other male teachers were just super respectful. They really helped us learn. They cared about our futures. They were just good people. And so I think it made the contrast that much worse. There's no question that Mr. Brackett's whole vibe is disconcerting, despite Nicole wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt at the time. It's definitely the energy. I don't know how to explain it, but, like, you could look in his eyes and, like, there was something wrong. Every time you looked at him, you just felt your insides just kind of, like, shake. Something was not like it was with a teacher. It was way past that. The way he worded things, and it was just a continuous thing. When things first started, like, going on, you're like, okay, like, I don't want to be judgmental. Like, he's a new teacher. Not every guy is out there out to get you. But when all year and nothing had changed and I wasn't the only one that had these uncomfortable feelings, I was like, yeah, okay, he's definitely creepy. His eyes were just, like, it wasn't even that they were, like, cold and soulless. It was almost like they were just, like, so filled with joy to see us in an inappropriate way that was I can't explain it, and I've never experienced it again in my life. And the creepy shit didn't end there. He would often make comments like, oh, you know what, my daughter's great. You guys should come have a sleepover with her, and just super, super weird comments like that. No one really wanted to go sleep over at her house from my class because he gave such weird vibes off, like none of us were comfortable with that. If my dad would have said that, like, that would have been so weird. Like, I don't want my dad inviting people over to my house when I'm 15 for me. Like, that's weird. So even though Mr. Brackett creeped everyone out, at the time, the students didn't feel they had the power to do anything about what he was doing. And there's no doubt that his behavior and the things he was doing was a huge distraction inside the class. 
I would like tell my parents that he was creepy, but that was kind of the extent of it. Like they knew I didn't like him. They knew he was creepy, but I didn't want to cause something if there wasn't something there. So I didn't want my parents to like freak out and make a big deal of it and like embarrass me at school. I didn't feel it necessarily at that time. It was my place to kind of start into something, but I also, I knew it was wrong. I knew in my heart that something was not right. Everyone was creeped out. It was a very, very known thing. Everyone just knew it was creepy. We didn't learn anything that entire year. It really took away from the whole learning experience because everyone was just so uncomfortable. So did the other adults just not notice Mr. Brackett's strange behavior? You know, they had to have. But from Nicole's perspective, things were complicated with Mr. Brackett's daughter being a well-liked student at the school. No one really went to the principal or other teachers with how creepy he was because we all really liked his daughter and didn't want to make things hard for her. Being at a new school and like, I mean, when you have a class so small, like it's definitely cliquish. You're already starting into like a situation where you're not knowing what's going on. And then for your father to just be, I mean, everyone talks about him. It's a hard way to start school. And I know that she, again, came from a different school. So she really was moved around a lot. Sometimes people like Mr. Brackett, who projects the veneer of being a wholesome family man, can keep their creepiness under wraps and fly under the radar, not drawing attention from their own peers. I know at that time the administrator was an older man. He was near retirement, and I think it was just more so it seemed to be just like filling a position type of vibe. I just don't think he put a lot of care into it. I don't know how Mr. Brackett interacted outside of like a classroom setting because I never got to experience that. So I don't know if he could put on a good facade, but I honestly don't think he could because the creepiness that just oozed off of him, it just seemed so overwhelming. Mr. Brackett eventually left the school after a couple years. And when he did, the kids were not sad to see him go at all. We were thrilled. We definitely knew when he was leaving and like, it was just such a sense of relief. I have a sister who's three years younger than me. So like knowing that she wasn't going to have him as a math teacher was was so relieving. I have a brother who's significantly younger than me. So it was nice to know that my younger siblings were not going to have to go through that. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on TheRealReal.com. TheRealReal is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, 
Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. When Mr. Brackett left Nicole's school, there was little information available as to why he decided to leave. But Nicole had her suspicions. I know the assumption between me and particularly my two best friends was definitely that someone had caught on to how creepy he was. I would assume that at least everyone else in my class had that same kind of mindset. But I know for a fact that me and my two best friends, it was he's either done something that someone has finally went to the principal or something from... We've even talked about maybe there's something in his past that brought it up. I don't know that for sure. I think they actually eventually even moved out of the area. But our assumption was that he was just finally someone had went to the principal and said that he was being creepy. There usually wasn't a lot of turnover at that school. So for him to leave in two years, like, I'm very curious what that conversation was that got him to leave anyway. I think eventually someone had to know, someone had to say something. Um, And again, we all struggled so hard the next year because we really didn't learn anything back then. So I think there were eyes that were beginning to open, which led to his early, early leaving. I would believe so. I'd like to believe so anyway. After Nicole's experience with Mr. Brackett, she left her thoughts of him in the rear view mirror and she went on and finished her school and just moved on with her life. But even years later, she and her friends often talked about the lingering memories that stuck with them. You encounter creepy people all through your life, but it was to the point where like we're 15 years out and it's still a memory many years later. So it wasn't this like quick, casual gut feeling. This is something that has continuously bothered me and something that we talk about. We had our 10-year class reunion. We were revisiting teachers. We talked about how creepy he was. It's something that really has stuck with me. It affected, I think, all of our education. We No one learned anything that year. The next year, we all struggled. It, it affected us continuously throughout our life, just thinking about just such a weird, uncomfortable, creepy situation it was. Memories of her creepy teacher cross Nicole's mind every once in a blue moon. And as we grow up, we start to understand how wrong things like this are when we look back in hindsight. But he didn't face consequences back then. So there was no reason for Nicole to think that he ever would. But she was wrong. In fact, in October of 2022, years after she'd finished school, she suddenly heard that Mr. Brackett had been arrested. Literally just like a week before I was telling my husband's family about this, And then I was actually taking a bubble bath. I'm relaxing for the evening and my phone starts going off and it's my group message with me and my two best friends. And it was a picture of his mugshot. And we were like, oh my gosh. So I'm like flipping through the messages, like reading them as fast as I can. And then my other best friend was like, this doesn't surprise me in the least. But just this relief of there's always kind of been this like, should I have went and said something? I I mean, I was 15. I didn't ever think it was like far enough that I had something substantial to tell on. So it was just kind of a sense of relief that, oh my gosh, finally, finally he's getting something, some type of repercussion. What had Mr. Brackett done and why had he been arrested? And where was he now? To answer all these questions, you know the drill, we got to go back. 
Nicole was both stunned yet burning with curiosity about why her former high school math teacher, Mr. Brackett, had been arrested years after she'd had him as a student. So who is this guy and what do we know about him? From what we can find on the little information that's publicly available, Thomas James Brackett was born May in 1963. And according to current records, his address is listed as Newark, Delaware, just outside of the Maryland state line. But beyond that, we don't really know where he was born or where he grew up. What we do know is that way back in the early 1980s, when Thomas Brackett was in his late teens and early 20s, he was working as a teacher and youth pastor at what was known as the Tabernacle Christian School and Church in Baltimore, Maryland. Back in the early 1980s, the Baltimore metro area was home to around 1.7 million people. The city was on its way to becoming plagued with drugs and violence amidst endemic racism, and an economic downturn saw high rates of unemployment. And another interesting fact is the city has a long history of westernized, organized religion as part of its identity, becoming the first Catholic diocese in the country in 1789. So according to state records, it's alleged that in the early to mid-80s, while working as a teacher and youth pastor, Thomas Brackett sexually abused at least two children in Baltimore County. I just remember like pulling up that article for the first time. The feeling like seeing that was from the 80s was just like mind-blowing to me. We don't know the circumstances under which Thomas came to leave Maryland or where he went in the intervening years before he eventually made his way to South Carolina. But what we found, it appears that he had been working as a pastor at Holy Trinity Pentecostal Holiness Church in the town of Andrews for around three years before his arrest. Even more terrifying, despite an apparent background check at his last place of employment, nothing of concern came back alerting anybody that Thomas shouldn't be anywhere around children. So it's reasonable to wonder how Brackett could have gotten these jobs working with children, including the job teaching math at Nicole's private school. And the short answer is that despite any number of background and police checks that may have been conducted, if someone doesn't have a criminal record, nothing's going to show up to alert prospective employers about child predators. You can have all the checks and balances in place that you like, but if someone hasn't come to police attention for something of a related nature, employers are basically flying as blind as anyone else. Let's not forget that cultivating and maintaining a facade of being a trustworthy good guy is precisely what child predators do as they try to search for new victims. They're excellent cons and rely on exploiting victims' sense of shame to maintain the secrecy, which is central to the dynamics of perpetuating sexual abuse. If Mr. Brackett integrated himself with his superiors and his coworkers everywhere he went, as abusers do, it's building that same level of trust with adults, which is part of the grooming process. The assumption is that the administrators at Nicole's school had no idea that Mr. Brackett was more than just a strange guy. I want to say I hope not. The principal at this point, he has since passed away, but he was very old and he was ready to retire. So I think it was more of just a, this is going to fill the position, he's willing to do it. And I don't think he knew, but I don't think he probably investigated as much as he should have. Baltimore County authorities were initially alerted to Brackett's history earlier in 2022 after allegations were made by two victims. Now adults, these individuals came forward alleging that between June of 1983 and May of 1986, when Brackett was in his early 20s, he abused them on multiple occasions when they were aged between 8 and 10. The matter was referred to Baltimore County Crimes Against Children detectives who began investigating. So I ended up like reading the initial article that they had sent me. I, I didn't read any farther because I, I just was a little bit overwhelmed. It was something that for so long I have felt in my gut had finally come to fruition. I know that it was young girls. I think it said at least from when he was a youth pastor somewhere, which is even more sickening. 
One victim, now in her mid-40s, told police she was in the third grade when Brackett would have her and other female students sit on his lap at his classroom desk. The woman reported that during these incidents, she could feel Mr. Brackett become aroused, which of course is vile and disgusting. And the woman's account of Mr. Brackett having girls sit on his lap was also confirmed by another ex-classmate. In another incident, Brackett took the victim to accompany him while he conducted a security check of the church. When they got to the choir room, which was in complete darkness, Brackett grabbed the girl by the arm and kissed her. On another occasion, when the victim and another female classmate were being punished for cheating on a test, Brackett took the girls to the back of the classroom where he made them perform a lewd act on him. The victim also reported that Mr. Brackett would regularly stay at her home, though we aren't clear on the exact circumstances surrounding that. She couldn't recall him assaulting her at her house, but she did remember Palm Sunday in 1988 when Mr. Brackett called her dad, supposedly confessed to going into the girl's bedroom while she was sleeping and using her hand to perform a lewd act on him, though we don't know what this woman's father did with this information if he did anything at all, which is highly disturbing on its own. The other victim, now 47 years old, told detectives that Brackett used to drive the school van that she took to and from school. It's alleged that he used to make the third grade victim sit between the front seats so that while Brackett was driving, he could molest her by reaching up her dress, which he did on two to three occasions. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. On October 20th, 2022, 59-year-old Thomas Brackett was arrested by the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office at his home in Andrews, South Carolina, and taken into custody on 11 warrants of child sex offenses. Detectives in Baltimore County arrest a man accused of abusing at least two children while working as a teacher and youth pastor in the 80s. 59-year-old Thomas Brackett faces multiple charges of child abuse and sexual assault offenses. Police believe there could be more victims. Brackett is currently being held at a detention center in South Carolina as he awaits extradition. It was one of those weird situations where Nicole simultaneously was and wasn't surprised to hear the news of Mr. Brackett's arrest. And this news immediately took her back to her own experience with this teacher in the classroom. But this time, she felt completely validated because she felt something was off back then. She just didn't know what to do about it. I really wanted to be wrong because I didn't want anyone to be hurt. And I really wanted it to just be like a, no, 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 like you're 15, you're exaggerating. So seeing that was like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't crazy. Like I wasn't exaggerating this. Like something was really wrong. But at the same time, you don't want to be right about something like that because you don't want people to be heard and there to be victims. And then just, of course, that it was a crime so long ago. He's gotten away with this for years and years and years. Our friends had talked about it, me and my two best friends, but this really kind of, once he was arrested, opened up a whole new level of conversation that we hadn't had in the past 15 years. Thomas Brackett was extradited from South Carolina to Baltimore County in early November of 2022. He was released on his own recognizance and is currently on private home detention. 
As Nicole was processing the news, she wondered what else her former teacher may have gotten away with over the years. And she felt sick as she realized that even though she only attended a small school at that one place alone, Mr. Brackett had unfettered access to children of all ages. My first thought, which is awful, is it is a small school. So we're like kindergarten through 12th grade, and the only thing like separating it is a staircase. So not only did he have access to us as ninth graders, but like also kindergarten all the way through up. I was a little bit terrified of, oh my gosh, did he accept this job? Because, you know, he's not an elementary school teacher, but it's right downstairs if he wanted. And I'm not saying that that's even the case or I don't have anything to back that up, but that was my very initial was, oh my gosh, there's an elementary right below us. I mean, they share recess duties, like he could cover for other teachers. It was just scary that he then was at a place where he had access to literally any grade he wanted to pick, K through 12. He's been at multiple schools since then. I FaceTimed my little sister right away and like just made sure that while he was there, like even though no one in our class that I know of was hurt worse than the weirdness in class, that there wasn't someone else around me that could have been a victim. So it was shocking in the sense that it did take this long, but it it wasn't a surprise because I knew in my heart that something was not right. While Brackett was awaiting trial, things started to ramp up. In March of 2023, he was indicted on nine additional child sex abuse charges in Baltimore County, dating from November of 1982 to October of 1986. And we don't have any further information on the circumstances around these latest charges, but investigators have got the ball rolling on them. In terms of Nicole and how she feels about things now, she believes that Mr. Brackett likely had many more victims, if not in Maryland, then elsewhere. I feel in my heart that that was absolutely not the last, and I would bet a lot of money that there are other kids, other girls, that those are not the only victims. I guarantee it. But just this relief that after all of these years, finally, there might be some he might have to pay, and that's a really, really nice feeling. I know the way he interacted with us in public, so I know that in private stuff was so much worse. I hope that this can either make them feel comfortable enough to come forward or at least give them some sort of closure. Brackett's trial was originally due to begin in May of 2023, but has been delayed until August when it appears that all the charges will be tried together, so watch this space for updates. If he is convicted for each of the 11 charges from 2022 and is given the maximum sentence for each, he could be sentenced to 104 years in prison. And that's not even taking the second lot of charges into account. The good news for the Maryland victims in this case is that if they pursue civil action against Mr. Brackett once criminal proceedings are complete, there's no longer a statute of limitations in Maryland on civil suits in cases of child sexual abuse. In April of 2023, Maryland Governor Westmore signed this much-needed legislative change into the law. And under the Child Victims Act, survivors will also have the ability to sue institutions like churches and schools who don't do proper vetting of these teachers who go on to assault children. And as for Nicole, her biggest takeaway from all this is she now knows that it's important to trust her gut when something doesn't feel right. Because the reality is that people that are socialized as girls and young women are taught to not make waves and instead just be compliant, polite, and not upset. And the lesson drilled into young women is that if something makes you feel uncomfortable, you just don't call it out. It made me trust my instincts a little bit more and to not cut myself short. I didn't want to hurt anyone else. And so like I was okay with being uncomfortable and I still struggle with that in various aspects of my life. Like I am allowed to be comfortable too. And my daughter, I want her to grow up. I want her to be comfortable. I don't want her to be uncomfortable. Me saying something was going to make 
him uncomfortable. Like that's that's okay. Like <laughs> he's making us uncomfortable. So certainly that my voice my voice is important too. And it was right this time. Maybe it's not always gonna be right, but if I would have said something then, like who knows, you know, how that would have gone. Thankfully, the long-term impacts of historical child sexual abuse are now being brought out into the open for discussion in the way that they deserve. But it's way overdue. And in this case, which is just one example, out of God knows how many, too many, we just don't have answers about exactly who knew about any of this behavior and if they did anything to try to address it. Because these kids, just like Nicole, deserve to feel safe, yet they didn't feel safe at all. One good thing we hope that has led to the survivors coming forward is that the amount of information and support that's now available means survivors are now feeling more and more empowered to share their stories, no matter how long ago these horrific events occurred, or even if these abusers are already dead. They no longer have to suffer in silence, but there's still a lot of work to be done to break down the stigma and myths around these allegations and things like them. And like we say, in these cases, sunlight really is the best disinfectant. Baltimore County detectives are searching for any additional victims who may have been in contact with Thomas James Brackett. If you or someone you know has been victimized by this man, investigators urge you to contact the Baltimore County's Crimes Against Children Unit at 410-887-7720. Huge thank you to Nicole for being a first degree for our episode today. If you have a story to tell, you can email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group. We're talking true crime all the time. Please join our Patreon. We have lots of fun bonus content for you over there and come back tomorrow because we'll have a brand new episode of killing time right in your feed. That's right. And an additional episode per week on Patreon. And we really do cover some awesome stories in there. So definitely meet us over there. Yes. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. And keep your friends close. But not that close. Shout out to Jared Monica for scoring original music for The First Degree, producing by Caitlin Cleveland, writing and research by Gemma Harris. Sources for this episode are WBAL 11, The Baltimore Sun, Baltimore County PD, Georgetown County Sheriff's Office, ABC 15, WCSC Live 5, CBS Baltimore Journal of Judicial Administration, the Office of Justice Programs, National Crimes Justice Reference Service, Rain.org, Fox 5, Baltimore, WMBF News, Georgetown and Beyond.com, The Georgetown Times, ABC 13, and WCBD News. And as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source.